Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is September 17th, 2019. It's Tuesday, and um, fall is finally here. I mean, we've had pumpkin spice lattes out already. Um, you know, fall decor is everywhere, even some Christmas lights. Oh, my gosh. I'm the Christmas lady, guys. I'm the one that decorates her house for Christmas. On November 1st, I got the wreath. And the whole house is twinkling. And throughout the house, you hear Christmas music. It's like one of my favorite delusions. That's what I like to call it. So I love Christmas uh, because it forces people to kind of be in a better mood because they get gifts. I don't know, whatever. But um, I love it because it allows me to be as cheesy as I want to be and very shameless at it too. So it is September 17th. I'm actually a mom, as you all know, and I'm literally home alone. It's just me and my pets. My husband and my daughter have left um, the building no, for three days and they are traveling, uh, taking my sister-in-law around the U.S. and they're actually going to a Mets game today and I'm a huge Mets fan so kind of jealous. Now, today, what I wanted to start the show with is climate change hoax. I am seeing so much of this climate change hoax. It's driving me literally insane. It's so uh, it's 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 just unbelievable. Now, I wanted to tell you guys uh, back in the 70s, they came up with this um idea that aerosols, refrigerators, air conditioners, and all this stuff um, emit chloroform hydrocarbons, ACFCs, and um, they, in turn, destroy the ozone layer. So the discussion in the 70s, I wasn't even born yet. I don't think I was even created, uh, you know, in any cells of my daddy yet at that time. But they had started putting out this APB across the world saying, oh, my gosh, we're all going to die. There's going to be a hole in the sky and we're going to die. We're going to be burnt to a crisp. I just want you guys to hear, you know, obviously with all this climate change hoax, how they explain to you why we don't hear about the ozone. Take a listen. Imagine a world where you couldn't go outside for more than five minutes without fear of a serious sunburn, where skin cancer was a leading cause of death and where crops withered and died under harmful radiation from outer space. We don't live in that world, 
But until the 1980s, we were on our way there. Because unbeknownst to us, the substances we used every day were destroying the layer of ozone gas in the upper atmosphere that protects Earth from the sun's most damaging rays. What we did to avoid that terrible future offers a roadmap for how we could potentially handle a different atmospheric problem, climate change. Early in the 20th century, we invented chemicals called chlorofluorocarbons, or CFCs, and they were nearly miraculous. Non-toxic, non-flammable, cheap, and really useful for purposes as varied as propelling hairspray in fire extinguishers and as the cooling agent in air conditioners and refrigerators. We started spraying CFCs on everything and putting them in everything. But in 1974, we realized that they were accumulating in the stratosphere, turning into chlorine and eating ozone for breakfast. And with less ozone, more ultraviolet rays from the sun could pass down to the earth and irradiate our skin. Because CFCs were a uniquely human invention, the only thing we could do to stop them from digesting the ozone layer was to use less. And in a shocking twist for humanity, we did the right thing. After scientists connected CFCs to ozone depletion, a big US company, SC Johnson, voluntarily removed CFCs from their aerosol products. This kindled public awareness, and after a few years of messy debate and lobbying, the US Environmental Protection Agency banned CFCs from all aerosols. The EPA ban created a market for CFC alternatives, and US companies saw a new way to make money by cornering that market. Okay, I just wanna pause there. So they stopped and banned CFCs, okay? They stopped and they banned them in 1982, just to be a specific. And most CFCs were phased out by 1988. So this is, you know, further down the line. Okay, in 1988, there was like this huge push between 1985 and 1988. So McDonald's had to get rid of styrofoam um, containers. People weren't allowed to use styrofoam for takeaway, but we still do. And they started to create... Uh, HFCs and HCFs uh, for their aerosols instead of using CFC. Take a listen. Realizing they could sell the solutions to the rest of the world, those companies politely asked the U.S. government to lead the charge on international action. By that time, we'd also identified a huge hole in the ozone layer, and people everywhere were calling for an international agreement. That agreement was called the Montreal Protocol, and it was the first environmental treaty dealing with a global threat. A key thing it did was require industrialized countries, the ones doing most of the polluting, to start phasing out CFCs immediately. It was also written to be very flexible, so as the science evolved, we could add other chemicals to the ban, which we're still doing. Finally, it... Okay, so I just wanted to tell you guys, so CFC, halons, carbon tetrachloride, hydrobromofluorocarbons, methyl chloroform, chlorobromomethane, methyl bromide, and hydrochloro fluoro um, carbons were all to be banned and phased out production 1994 through 2008. It required rich countries to give cash to developing countries so they could more easily move away from CFCs. Wait, did you hear that? So rich countries would give money to poorer countries, okay? So our federal tax dollars were given to other countries so they move away from CFCs. Wait, so remember, they found this hole in the ozone in 1985. They totally freaked out and they're like, everybody needs to sign this treaty. We need to get on board. We need to change things because we could change the world. We could change the atmosphere real quick. Take a listen. And it worked. Countries stopped making CFCs, and today, around 30 years later, the ozone layer is stable and the ozone hole is healing. This was Wait a minute. Stop. 
Are you listening to this? So the ozone layer had a massive hole. And in 2015, they discovered that the ozone is healing itself because we stopped using hairspray. We stopped having refrigerators with uh, CFCs, which they still do. And you know what the leading contributor to the ozone CFCs are? Rubber tires on your car rubbing against the asphalt. But no one's going to talk about that. This is how hoaxes develop. It was a huge success. Within 10 years, we all changed the planet. If you believe that, you believe anything. Because I'm going to tell you why the ozone was depleted. I'm going to tell you why it's healing. And I'm going to tell you how they use this hoax, huge hoax, against the people to rape us. They took our money and they gave it away in the 80s. They totally gave it away. And under Bush and Clinton, more was given and given and given. Under Obama, given, given, given. To what poor countries? I mean, okay, what are you going to tell me? Ethiopia, Somalia, they had aerosol sprays. They don't even have water. They're worried about hairspray and refrigerators. Are we kidding? But take a listen to how they spin this now. This was a huge success. How'd we do it? By transitioning away from a useful substance that we used every day in our homes and our jobs. Huh, that sounds similar to something else I've heard about. I wonder if we can take any lessons from protecting the ozone layer and apply them to that other global atmospheric challenge, climate change. Like we did with CFCs last century, today we're emitting other gases that get into the atmosphere and screw things up. And what these greenhouse gases do is trap heat. So in order to keep the planet from getting too hot, we need to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. What's interesting is, just like S.E. Johnson moved away from CFCs, we're seeing some companies today, including that same company, committing to using more renewable energy and lowering their emissions. And the major international agreement we've written up to take action on climate change is modeled after the Montreal Protocol in a lot of ways. Rich countries need to clean up quickly and to provide money for developing countries to do their part. Again, that money. Okay, let me stop it right there because it really irritates me. Let me tell you how holes in the ozone happen throughout the history of the planet. Do you know what causes it? Guess what? Volcanoes. Volcanoes are the leading cause to deplete the ozone at certain points. Now, when a volcano erupts, you'd be like, oh, the ashes, you know, hovering over the areas where the volcano is. Actually, uh, it's the bromide that it excretes. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, uh, it's very, very the volcanic ashes and chemicals that are excreted are bromine and chlorine and hydrogen chlorine. They all come out with volcanic ash and they go up into the stratosphere, which then travels to the poles, which then depletes, you know, oxygen, uh, the triple molecule of oxygen. Mind you, we can't recreate O3. It is like virtually impossible for us to bind three molecules of oxygen. We don't know how it happens. But here's the thing. This all goes to the poles because then the poles rain, rain down um, hydrogen chloride. It comes in a form of rain, which then creates the ice, and then it heals itself again. So here's the thing. In the 70s, I just want to tell you guys, in the 70s... Um, we had uh, multiple explosions um, of volcanoes between 1963 from Mount Agung all the way down to 1980 with Mount St. Helens. It was almost every couple of years we were having these huge volcano eruptions that on a scale of one to five were fours and fives. 
So those contributed to creating this massive hole. Now that didn't stop. In the 80s, we had even more explosions. 81, we had two of them, the Pagan, the Aled. We had El Chicon, which was in 1982. And then the Galagung, and then the Colo, and then Navarro del Ruz, and Augustine, and Chiraki, and Kilvesco, and then Mount uh, Redwood, which was one of the lowest ones um, in 85 and 89 through 90. And then we had Kalud, and then Mount Pinatubo, which was a six. That's insane. Mount Hudson just keeps going and going. And then suddenly, no crazy volcanoes of that degree being like three pluses and over um, exploded. So suddenly, since they didn't explode, it started to heal. Because let me tell you something. The volcanoes actually create uh, the depletion of the ozone in order to create the ice caps and then, you know, continue that cycle. So this is the way the earth beats. Okay. The earth is a biodome. Okay. It is a biodome. It works together. Picture it like a living organism. And the explosions from these volcanoes are how it erupts its pressure as it moves, it grows, it it changes. This is why it used to be one mass of continents, as they say, and then they broke apart and et cetera, et cetera, because it moves and it evolves just like people evolve, not only physically, but, you know, socially. And so this biodome just like everything else on this planet moves and breathes and has a circadian, as you would call rhythm. So us not using hairspray didn't really contribute to ozone depletion. It was the darn volcanoes. And the fact that the volcanoes stopped pumping out, you know, all this volcanic ash, suddenly it started to heal again because it is normal. This is why you would find it in the polar caps. But no, this was the opportunity to get everyone crazy, to get everyone to just give money to all these poor countries. Really? But these poor countries don't have to eat. They don't have water. They don't have farms. But we got to tell them don't use fridges, don't use tires, and don't use hairspray. This is the incredible insanity. The insanity that someone thinks that because we stopped using hairspray aerosols, right, that we changed the planet within, you know, 20 years. It's ridiculous. It is completely ridiculous. You know, um, in the theory of evolution, nobody knows why plants migrated to, to, to land from water. Now, I put out a theory, hasn't been published. I mean, since nobody gave an answer, I just gave mine. And it was all about the changes in gravitational pull and this shift of these plants going on land base and at the beginning having creatures that were armored because the pressure you know the faster you spin the more pressure you get on ground you know like weight gravitational pull they were armored they literally had armor and then as more oxygen began to emit into the atmosphere there was more oxygen in our air back in the time of the dinosaurs than there are today and the reason bugs were so big is because bugs, just so you know, work with atmospheric pressure. They don't have like a heart pumping blood. They have a muscle that pumps, but it's actually stimulated by atmospheric pressure that goes through little holes on their bodies and it pushes it. It's physics. So the more oxygen you have, the more pressure, you know, oxygen pressure atmospheric you have on the bug, the bigger it will get. This is why dinosaurs were so massive. And this is why if we built a dinosaur today, it wouldn't be able to breathe because we don't 
don't have enough oxygen. What happened? So all these plants are putting oxygen out. All of this stuff is happening. All of these dinosaurs are massive. And then boom, volcanoes happen. Volcanoes, eruptions, earthquakes, changes. And what happens? Ozone gets depleted. What else happens? Oxygen concentration reduces. Nitrogen increases. Carbon increases because of volcanoes. Not because, you know... The brontosaurus was trying to fluff its hair with hairspray, not because they decided to use refrigerators, not because they were driving cars or manufacturing, but because the planet said so. I mean, we must have some grandiose idea about ourselves that we can actually cause that much damage to a massive rock that houses billions and billions of people. And mind you, if the planet, let's say landmass, landmass was 100 square feet the amount of people we have only covers maybe 10 square feet okay and and that's pushing it so we don't even populate most of the land that exists yet for whatever reason we are so grandiose that our hairspray is totally making holes in the ozone and because we stopped using hairspray the ozone healed itself No, the ozone healed itself after what it did with the dinosaurs, whatever remained or whatever life, which was different, was able to survive that atmosphere, meaning it was smaller. It was more different because, you know, plants back in the days didn't have the leaves. They looked like sponges. They were just full stems with little holes that would breathe because the atmospheric pressure was so much. It would come in and push that oxygen in for them to then be able to um put forward you know for photosynthesis etc this is why trees back in the days were so big because they were competing for light when there were so many i mean this is science and they're using science against people so they can empty their pockets this is such a hoax it drives me insane anyone who thinks that they're woke and they believe this stuff they're insane because science says different you're not that important You're not that big and your Aquanet is not going to kill the biodome. The whole reason we had this big, huge, you know, issue with holes in the ozone is because we had 25 darn volcanoes within a 20 year period explode and they were massive explosions. So this is why we had ozone depletion, because it was going through its cycle. This is how the world works. And so if we see a spike in volcanic activity, again, guess what we're going to have? Ice age. Guess what we're going to have? Less ozone. Guess what we're going to have? Shifts in uh, temperature um, within our masses. Uh, You might see the equator becoming cold and the polar caps becoming warm because the ozone will be depleted. So this is how it happens. This greenhouse gases damn again grandiose ideas that on a planet that our creator created to live in harmony with us this is why we share dna with every single living thing on this planet bananas trees bugs we all share the same core dna we are all one in this we live together and you know It sounds really fruity and tree huggy, right? We live together. We're one, but we are. We depend on the planet. The planet depends on us. Obviously, I'm more of the theory that we're aliens in the respect of 
we don't fit anywhere because we don't have any natural uh, resistance to the environment like, you know, bugs and, and, and gophers and, you know, lions and stuff like that. Depending on their terrain, they have built uh, immune um, immunity, I would say, to the environment. They have adapted to the environment. They use this special sand to hide. They use this leaf to cover, I don't know, whatever, or eat. You know, us, we need to actually hunt. We need to actually create shelter. There is no innate shelter for us. For, so for that reason, I'm saying maybe the planet was created for us and we came in afterwards. I don't know. I, I'm just saying. But but on that note, we do have our own defenses in the sense of our skin color. Uh, people that are located uh, by the equator in uh, Saharan environments and hotter environments have darker skin pigmentation. That's because the sun shines more there. Hence, they have more melanin in their skin. This is why they adapt differently. They don't burn. The darker you are, the more um, tolerant you are of uh, the sun. And the lighter you are, kind of like the Norsks, you will burn like a, like, you know, like me for getting, you know, simple syrup on the stove, boom, within minutes. Uh, because where you come from, the sun is scarce. It's usually dark most of the day, et cetera, et cetera. And people that live underground and with no sun actually turn green, you know, like little green men. I mean, this is science, you guys. They are using science as a weapon to take our money. This is a new, uh, you know, way for them to take our money and, you know, scare us. Here's something from 1987 where they were talking about it. Take a listen. For billions of years, our only protection from the damaging effects of radiation has been in the upper atmosphere. High concentrations of a gas called ozone form a natural protective covering. However, this ozone layer is fragile. If you compressed all the ozone particles at sea level, the layer would only be one-tenth of an inch thick. There is evidence that the ozone layer in the upper atmosphere is diminishing. Scientists have discovered an unpredicted huge gap over Antarctica. Over the Arctic, there's the possibility of another smaller hole. Unconfirmed measurements indicate that the ozone concentration on the rest of the planet is also diminishing. In 1974, the United States banned the use of fluorocarbons in hopes of curbing the problem. Public awareness campaigns persuaded the manufacturers of aerosol products to ban the use of fluorocarbons in sprays and use more ecological pump sprays. Many thought the problem had been solved, but findings now indicate that the ban wasn't enough. Evidence like these satellite pictures of the South Pole alerted scientists that the problem hadn't gone away. The white line around the rim is the equator. The pink area in the middle is extremely low concentrations of ozone. This image, taken in October... I can't. I can't. I can't. They're showing you what happened after volcanoes. I mean, this is how ozone depletes because of volcanoes, because all these this, these bromines and the chlorine that's free in the air literally binds to the oxygen mar- molecules and destabilizes the O3 molecule, which is impossible to recreate because it's hard to put three molecules of oxygen together. We don't know how they uh, like we can't recreate that bond. 
Okay. It's, it's hard to recreate that bond because, you know, how do they share the electrons and in what form, like if you're thinking about it 3d, how do these molecules bind to it? So it's really, really difficult for me to, 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 to even take this seriously. And, you know, we must have some really big grandiose idea about ourselves. If we think that using hairspray did this, this was a massive push to steal money from the people. And obviously it wouldn't have worked because no one would be able to find holes in the ozone because we don't have earth earthquakes, not earthquakes. I would say we don't have, um, uh, volcano explosions anymore. So it would be really hard to, you know, kind of say, Oh, we have a hole. No, it's repaired itself. It's repairing itself because that is exactly what the earth does. There are cycles where it, you know, and, and again, I, I explained to you when a volcano goes up, obviously like in Mount St. Helens, you know, Oregon and, and, and Washington were in dust and, and, and they had, you know, darkness for a couple of days. But where did all those, where did all those things that went up into the stratosphere move? They went to the poles. That's why there was a little hole in the Arctic and a big hole in the South, which is very interesting though, because, um, you know, obviously that, uh, volcanic eruption came on the heels of another 10 before it. Um, and it seemed like they all moved South. So that indicates that there's some kind of current. I'm not a geologist. I'm just saying like all of those, you know, all of that debris must've gone to the South more than the North or the North had better metabolism of uh, the debris debris, right? Uh, of the debris that was coming, meaning debris by the chemicals that were being released into the stratosphere. So again, when they talk to you about climate change, point to this, point to how retarded they are on thinking that a population of less than a billion at the time, less than a billion at the time would, well, no, that's a lie less than 5 billion at the time. Sorry. Um, you know, contribute and mind you only three to 4 billion actually had refrigerators and, um, hairspray, uh, contributed to make these huge holes that we were all going to die if we didn't stop. This was the first hoax that pushed real quick. And it was so dumb because everyone complied. This ga greenhouse gas, just another hoax. A hoax that you can't determine because they won't let you because there's something called paid research. You pay someone to prove your theory and create the data to support it. That's basically how it goes. That's it on climate change hoaxes for this half hour. I'll see you guys all in a bit where we'll be shifting gears and talking about Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Iran, and Russia. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. 
Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So in this half hour, we're going to talk about Saudi Arabia bombings uh, that are going on via Al-Qaeda through Yemen that they want to say is the Houthi that are using Turkish drones. So the first thing I want you guys to know is that long-range drones, there's only four countries that could develop what you would call a male-hail UCAV that uses SATCOM that can travel far, and that's the U.S., Israel, Turkey, and China. Turkey actually has the biggest UCAV fleet in Europe and the Middle East, including Russia and Israel. Okay, they've got the highest tech in regards to that. So I want you guys to know that when we're looking at long range UAV attacks, it's usually um, UAVs like the Bayraktar TB2 tactical, and that is massive. It can, um, you know, uh, go up to 27,000 feet. It's laser guarded, smart um, uh, munition, um, and they actually launched that in 2016. It is huge in regards to its length. It's a, it's 11, well, not so huge. It's 11.2 meters. It's got, you know, it's it can take up to, it's over a ton. So I would say it's about 600 to 700 kilograms, if I remember correctly. So that is one of the largest. The, the Bayraktar is a massive drone, the same drone that bombed Saudi Arabia just a couple weeks ago that didn't cause too much damage. But now it's happening. So Bayraktar TB2, Bayraktar, as I would call, because um, it, it sounds scarier, I guess, is... A drone that can go over thousands of miles. Um, it has the capacity to to hold, you know, uh, just under like seven hundred kilograms, six hundred to seven hundred kilograms. Um, it is laser uh, guided. Um, it can use satellite, and just so you know. 
there was an operation uh, called Olive Branch where this literal this UAV was tested. It was tested in crazy rain, crazy fog, crazy clouds, you know, smoke clouds, regular clouds, snow. And guess what? It was not interrupted at all in its guidance. It had no problem targeting, which means that in a full raid like we saw in Saudi Arabia, it is most likely the most capable to get there. Not only uh, not only that, but when they flew it, they flew it through different um, the the TB2 Shia, the Bayraktar, right? Um, it actually flew when they were testing it through like different types of weather so they can see if changes in the weather and not being consistent uh, consistent was a problem uh, that was done also altitude boy it can go as high as 27,000 feet and as low as 400 um, uh, as low as 400 with without you know um, having any fault it can actually go lower so it has um, it's um, quiet so you can't hear it uh, there's low visibility because of its size and the way it moves and um, it literally has been used by the Turks to spy more than bomb when they used it. That's the thing. So, um, you know, down in Syria, they've been using them to monitor, uh, you know, the Kurds. Um, it can bomb things with complete accuracy and go completely undetected. Uh, this is exactly what was used. There are tests, various ones that you could see online. It's called the Bayaktar, B-A-Y-A. KTAR UAV you should see it it's pretty spot on like it will it targets one person okay it can target one person uh, that is how specific it is and it travels great distances so when I hear uh, you know them saying oh you know oh you know it had to be a rock because of the distance I'm like Man, they're talking to people that don't know. Uh, here's here's the newest one that um, that um, Turkey has deployed is one that has a smaller like uh, weight capacity. It can fly around for over twenty four hours. It has a range, and listen to this, of almost five thousand kilometers. Okay. 5,000 kilometers and it can go at an altitude of 30,000 feet again using satellite smart munition and it just was uh, it's a new one and it started um, its sales they started Turkey started selling in 2017 and the US Israel Turkey and China are the only ones in the world as of 2018 that had it Get this, it's only eight meters in length. That means since I'm like a meter 60 in height, that would be like four me's laid down. That's not big at all to think of it. And it has a wingspan though of, uh, you know, of like, um, I think it's like 17 to 18 meters, which is a bigger wingspan, of course. But this one goes undetected. It's smaller, like shorter, right? It has um, massive precision capabilities. It can go through any weather. It can carry, you know, whatever bombs you want. And it uses line of sight and satcoms to navigate. So you don't even need to, um, you know, be seeing it to drive it. Uh, that is 
what we need to remember is that the people that have the capability of mass production of these drones and the ones that created it are who? Turkey. And we've seen it before. It was a Turkish drone that struck Saudi Arabia. So you have to ask yourself, how did the Yemeni who don't have two pennies to rub together come up with having, how did the Houthis do this? They don't have funding, do they? No, but Al-Qaeda does. And Al-Qaeda gets the majority of their money from Turkey and Qatar through their stupid little fake, you know, Islamic relief foundations and education foundations where people just dump, dump money. Mind you, on that note, I'm going to tell you something that is pretty incredible. So, you know, when I was doing that expose on Bush and the, the, the Saudis and the money and whatnot, I, I uh, mentioned about BCCI, that corrupt bank, which is like the mobster bank where dark money goes hidden, right? And it was like an operation and they finally found it and they cracked down on it. Well, guys, I'm going to tell you something. I think I actually stumbled upon a bank and I'm still looking into it, that may be BCCI 2.0. And, you know, I pride myself on knowing logos. I'm, I'm very good with symbols and numbers and my memory uh, when I want it to, right? Because I have selective memory, as my husband says, is very good. I play those games where it's like, look at this logo and tell me what it is. And I know logos like nobody's business. I can recognize a logo faster than I can remember the name of the company globally, right? Because, you know, it's not because I'm a brand, you know, you know, slave, but it's, it's easier for me to remember symbols and numbers than it is, you know, words or other things. And so I saw this logo of this bank and I'm like, how come I haven't seen that before? And if I haven't seen it yet, it's so popular. Okay. Get this with who? With the Qataris, the Turks and the democratic party. How come I've never seen it? And how is this bank operating within the United States that is so high tech and so in your face, but yet I've never met anyone that banks with them. I've never banked with them. I was never turned to them. I never saw them. And I'm not a type of, I'm not the type of person that's religiously, you know, loyal to their bank. I go to who gives me great customer service, right? And I love to try new things uh, because I'm a cash person anyway. I don't do credit. Um, you know, obviously we all need loans at some point and credit cards, but I'm more of a cash person. And if you're my bank and you pee me off, I'm done. I could go somewhere else where it's better. And I really love these online banks now that, you know, with these snazzy apps and savings ways. And, you know, I'm all into that stuff. Like I'm all into Acorn, Empower, Chime. I love it. Their apps are great. The, 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 the stuff that they offer you is amazing. There's like no fees, you know? So for me, I look at this stuff. So this is like my spiel, right? You know, I love knowing a lot about stuff and the fact that I didn't recognize the logo or the name, right? Struck me odd. And how I found it was digging through a bunch of paperwork and I saw a wire between some organization to another. And I was like, hmm, that's curious. Let's take a look. Guess what? There's not a lot. But what I can tell you on the board of that bank, it's all Obama and Clinton, former White House, this, that, that. I, th 
think we found ourselves our new BCCI. Um, so I am currently in the middle of investigating that, just so you guys know. And I thought it was important to tell you because this bank, okay, get this, operates in Turkey too and operates in Qatar, but doesn't operate in certain nations, but operates more in others. So it's super curious. Um, so I thought I'd throw that into the hiatus. Speaking of funding now, um, getting back to Saudi Arabia, there was a meeting between Rouhani, Erdogan and Putin on Monday. And, uh, it was not very covered, right? It wasn't really covered by the mainstream media. I want you to take a listen to what summary that has 6,666 views. Hopefully mine will bring it up because that's such a demonic number. Um, what they had to say, take a listen. Very busy day and now the fifth summit, trilateral summit on Syria is over here in Ankara and before that the leaders of Turkey, Iran and Russia had tete-a-tete and definitely they had a lot to discuss. This time the talks focused on three major themes. First and number one was the situation in Syria's uh, northern province of Idlib. It is a very huge area. It is believed to be home right now from two to three million people. It is also considered to be the last remaining stronghold of anti-government forces in uh, Syria, including uh, uh, moderate so-called opposition and also Al-Qaeda-like Islamists, very dangerous terrorists, very hard to deal with, uh, not alone negotiate with. Uh, so, uh, uh, of course, the three leaders and the three countries and Syria and other regional uh, players and outside players um, have been facing this big challenge, how to get rid of terrorists. And this is something all the three leaders uh, agreed uh, should be done, of course, as soon as possible. But how to do that without harming civilians in that area? And we heard at the press conference today from all three leaders, from Mr. Rouhani, Mr. Erdogan and Mr. Putin, that first of all, counter-terrorism operations in that area should continue. Another breakthrough that uh, we actually had today as, as a result of this summit is uh, about constitutional committee. This is a centerpiece of UN peace efforts in Syria, and this is a crucial mechanism. We heard that uh, from Mr. Rouhani, Mr. Erdogan, and Mr. Putin to bring peace uh, to Syria and to actually stabilize the entire region. And um, it has been discussed for almost a year already, and today we heard that uh, the list of the members of this committee has been approved by Turkey, Iran, and Russia, 150 people, those uh, loyal to the current Syrian government and as well as opposition figures, they are those who are supposed to represent the Syrian people in the international arena and um, help political stabilization in the country. Another focus during these talks was regarding the uh, territory in north 
of Syria east of the Euphrates River. Uh, we heard from all three leaders that they respect that territorial integrity of Syria should be the crucial moment of uh, uh, stabilizing the situation. In okay, even though her accent is bad, what she, she's giving a very good summary. Basically, what she's saying is what they talked about is the northeastern portion of Syria. Remember, I told you that Turkey wants to gain that territory. They want to eradicate the claim that the Kurds have to it and maintaining that integrity of borders for Syria is important. But this meeting had more. Take a listen. In that country, but at the same time we heard from Turkey uh, that uh, they want to create kind of a city for, of refugees in that area east of Euphrates uh, River. It is now under the control of the American troops uh, together with some European nations and Turkey of course is involved in that part. It's a good initiative but at the same time it kind of contradicts the idea of territorial integrity. So I guess uh, there were some breakthrough, uh, there were some agreements uh, and uh, uh, major uh, discussions, but still there are disagreements between Turkey, Russia and Iran on, uh, of course, how exactly to bring uh, peace uh, to Syria. And we heard that the next sixth summit on Syria will be held in Tehran, and which means uh, more discussions to come. So basically, the next discussions they're going to have are in Tehran, and um, that's important. So that means they're all going to be going to uh, Iran to talk about this. Now, something she omitted to state, and a lot of them did, was what Erdogan said during his speech in Ankara. He said that, um, you know, they're saying that the Turkish um, the Turkish government are a new type of crusaders uh, because they are being attacked by their enemies. And they clearly said the U.S., Israel, Greece, and Egypt are an anti-Turkish coalition fighting Islamic Turkey and its interests in hydrocarbons in the region. Remember, I had brought to you the information that in the Eastern Mediterranean, Turkey had invaded territory of Cyprus and Greece to drill for oil. And the rest of the world is telling them, yo, you just can't go into someone's backyard and start drilling. And they're like, oh, but it's ours. It's not, but it's ours. And go figure, they're not going to listen. Now, uh, Erdogan actually said to Turkish citizens that they have launched a Turkish... Um, Air, air exercises, you know, um, like with their aircraft promoting and showing off uh, the Turkish power with their UAVs and um, with their, uh, you know, aircraft that they own and that they are flexing their muscle so that the Eastern Mediterranean, specifically Israel, Greece and Cyprus and Egypt, understand just what they're up against if they try to push again. They said specifically that these exercises that they're going to be executing the last one on September 22nd are just to demonstrate their force. But Israel, Cyprus and Greece that got together with Pompeo just a couple of weeks ago said, no, you're not allowed to do that. That's violating airspace and they haven't given you the right to do this. Now, they are really, really upset 
very upset and they reached out to Russia for assistance and Russia pretty much said, well, you know, we don't believe that this is how this should be done. Uh, you did not have permission to go in. And this is where they had a bit of a spat um, in regards to northeast Syria and the eastern Mediterranean. And that's because, like we've said before, Russia has one of their biggest bases in Tartas of Syria, which is on the coast of Syria in the eastern Mediterranean and specifically in the waters that Turkey claims are theirs. So um, the Turkish Navy has already pushed forward with what they call the Denzi Zuktru 2019, which is like their, uh, you know, uh, force exercise showing their naval force exercise in the Aegean and the Eastern Mediterranean. And now they're going to be doing the aircraft, which Israel has put their foot down saying, no, you're not allowed in my airspace. You can't fly there. Done. And they're getting a lot of pushback. Now, apparently, the concerns that Israel and Cyprus have uh, reported were their submarine warfare and amphibious operations uh, around the islands. And they're claiming that they're doing these exercises en route to Libya because they've annexed that portion of Libya. So now they're kind of, uh, you know, the radicals after this announcement that happened uh, during the press conference on Monday yesterday uh, are calling a jihad against those that are trying to um, make Turkey uh, submissive and that they are not submissive. They are a nation to be feared. Like this is stuff going all around Turkish press, uh, you know, because they're now realizing just how much they're isolating themselves. And they think that they, that Turkey has, Turkey thinks that Moscow is like on their side and that Washington, because we said, oh yeah, we'll do some trade and whatnot with you of 120 million, uh, a hundred million dollars, a hundred, a hundred million to a hundred twenty million dollar trade deal that they did with that, uh, with Turkey was actually going to fly. That would help them. And I said million when I meant billion. It's a hundred billion to um, a hundred twenty billion, and twenty and a half billion of that um, is supposed to happen uh, by the end of this year. And this is something that Ross supposedly put forward when he was an. Ankara, um, that we are talking trade with Turkey because they don't have money. So that's pretty interesting to see the developments on how we're playing on both sides of the fence right now by telling Turkey that we are getting into discussions of this trade that Mr. Ross, when he went back in 2018, um, you know, the U S embassy in Turkey literally said, yeah, we're doing, um, 20.5 billion in trade, uh, you know, in 2019, and there's going to be another 100 billion by the end of 2020. And so Erdogan pushed on that, stating that, you know, he wants to progress with President Trump uh, to generate, you know, $100 billion a year in trade between the two. Now, no one knows how this trade is going to happen. The suspicions, though, that are going around is this UAV technology that they have uh, that Qatar is funding to manufacture with them, uh, ironically, right? And it's, it's super super weird because we think, you know, a hundred billion dollars is a lot, but 
think about it. In regards to imports and exports that we have, it's only like less than 2% of the 5.65 trillion that we spend a year. So it's not a big chunk, but it's still a good chunk. And you would think, why would we be getting into business with Turkey when Turkey is constantly uh, demonstrating that they are no longer a friendly, but, uh, you know, an enemy? Now, Ross, when he discussed things about this trade in regards to Turkey, he did say that in uh, 2017, the total trade uh, with Turkey was about $24 billion. Um, for U.S. exports and $12.7 billion, um, you know, uh, was the total of imports. So it was more reduced. So we've promised them a hundred billion in like 18 months, which is a big push. And you have to wonder what are we buying with a hundred billion? Uh, even though, uh, you know, obviously drones, like the ones that we described earlier in this half hour are pretty expensive. You would think, uh, it's, it's pretty insane, right? What deficit? How are we trading this? What are we doing? And Erdogan paraded that around as if that is how we have America working with us. Yet no one is questioning the fact that we're having a really big problem right now with Turkey. We're having a problem with the way they are acting, purporting, pushing, and the way they're funding terrorist cells. And the fact that they are disputing the uh, claim to land by the Kurds in uh, northeast Syria, which is like, why would you do that? I thought that northeast Syria isn't yours. Why does Turkey suddenly want a piece of that? Those are questions everyone should be asking. Why is um, Turkey so interested in northeast? We've talked about it before, and the answer is oil. Uh, just why they're taking over the Mediterranean with their boats and why they're drilling. It's all about oil and it's all about them uh, getting access to the hydrocarbons, uh, regardless of who they take down with themselves, right? <laughs> they're just going to go in there and take it and don't care. So this is a key, um, I would say, key point that we need to take away for the month of September, that we're seeing uh, this go full circle right now in regards to Turkey and the activities that we see in the Middle East. Now, during this discussion, it should be noted that um, Putin actually offered Saudi Arabia protection via Turkey. Uh, he claimed that uh, Turkey would be able to supply them with um, defense mechanisms and drones and uh, weapons to protect themselves against the Yemeni that are attacking them. And the response that was received was, but they're using Turkish drones. So Russia returned the response to the reporter during that meeting and said, well, then they can buy Russian uh, defense systems. So here is where Russia is playing both sides. They don't trust Turkey. They don't trust them because they fund terror. But on the other hand, they're opportunists because Putin's like, yep, you're right. You can't trust the Turks. So just buy anti, <laughs> buy defense systems from me. Um, pretty opportunistic and pretty sneaky, but nevertheless, pretty bold and awesome, right? I mean, 
You have to, you know, hat tip. Now, in the next hour, we're going to be talking deep state. We're going to analyze the New Mexico rally and much more. See you all in a bit. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. And it's the last hour. And we need to talk a little bit about Deep State and talk about what our president was telling us during the New Mexico rally, which goes to show that in a blue state, lots of people were turning up for President Trump. Kind of shows where America sits. I mean, they can't even fill a classroom up, let alone a bathroom up for the Democrats. I mean, they were just stomping in Mexico City, Mexico, to raise money because they got nada. So I wanted to talk a little bit about McCabe because I knew this area quite well. So last week, uh, McCabe's legal team leaked, leaked, okay? They provided it themselves, an email where they sent it off to the DOJ saying, hey, we want to know if uh, you indeed had a grand jury that wouldn't return an indictment because that's what we heard. There was a rumor that you couldn't. Now, I've told you this before. It's very easy for the government to get an indictment on a ham sandwich, especially when they have uh, written evidence, uh, you know, for someone like McCabe, right? In these cases, you can indict anything at a grand jury, anything. Uh, and so what McCabe's attorneys were writing in this email were like, yo, so we heard there was a grand jury and you couldn't find enough evidence that he committed any crimes. So they wouldn't return an indictment. And we want you to confirm or deny that that happened. And so this is just how sneaky the deep state is. This is how you go fishing because these lawyers aren't idiots, but they know that if they found out that there's a grand jury or what you would call a petit jury trial, you know, to, to get a jury trial going, that this can taint the pool. This was the intention. They know that there's a returned indictment. They know that they've got it down packed. But what they did was they put it out into the ether to taint a jury trial pool. This is one of the most sneakiest things because this would be suggesting that the fact that they found out about the grand jury trial, that there's corruption, and so it's tainted anyway. This is their way of doing it. Now, Comey tried the same thing, don't get me wrong, and we'll get into that in the second half hour. But for, for now, I just wanted to focus on McCabe. What they did was put out 
a fishing expedition because they all know that right now all of them are being heard under grand jury. This is how you taint it and indicate that there might be corruption. This is, uh, you know, lawfare warfare right this is lawyer warfare and it shows that these lawyers are acting you know as politicians and you know they're trying to say that if you know mccabe um you know they're trying to put it forward that um you know the press uh has to say that if mccabe doesn't get indicted that then you know there's like two different types of justices that if he's going to be convicted right it's going to be an issue of being held accountable for what he did and he should be indicted for what he did. And, you know, uh, and that's the way it should be. There should be equal justice, right? All of us are freaking out. Like McCabe already did this. He got gifts. We already know it. And he wasn't indicted for these things. Why? Because we're after the bigger fish. This is just to show the corruption. This is just to demonstrate and put it out into the ether so that the people that are potentially going to be on the trial say, man, this guy got away with this. We're not going to get away with that. Remember, Remember, George Papadopoulos, who was on a flight, who had lack of sleep, who probably drank a couple, you know, little wine bottles on the flight, because I would have, you know, was stopped, no lawyer, taken into a room, hot boxed, and because he forgot information, got 10 days in jail. Michael Flynn, our general, he was thrown into the slammer of, you know, justice, not into, you know, jail, uh, because he lied. And it wasn't that he lied. They omitted evidence that would show that he wasn't really lying they put him in this box and this is what corrupt people do they play their narrative they talk up their narrative they say what they want and that's it bottom line you take what we say period finish done and it's like it doesn't work like that this is the united states of america that's not how things work the way things work are you have transparency both sides get discovery of every single piece of material both can get deposed and that's how it's done in the cases of these it was all one-sided and they don't want you to know what the other side i mean if papadopoulos and flynn were indicted then why doesn't mccabe so you know the fact that the doj didn't indict him on these stupid little things that were crimes minimal but crimes and violations then it tells the world that if you're a democrat or a rhino you get off and you don't get in trouble and you know we've seen it with the clintons and so it's very very anti-trump but what we saw now with what mccabe did he was trying to show that he's innocent, that there's corruption in the judicial system, that there are leaks, they're putting earwigs in. And, you know, the indictment process is not a political weapon. It is a very big prosecutorial power. And it is important that, you know, in our nation that, you know, scum like these rhinos and McCabe and Comey, and I can name a lot on my hand, are able to be held accountable. I mean, you know, this is uh, a case that you can't indict like instantly, right? It's not like, oh, he had a gun. We found it. It was smoking and he had residue on his hand. Done. This is where it's discussion, bringing up, because you might go in there with 20 million charges. You know, one guy can get pulled over, right? 
and have didn't you know change signal had this warrant for i don't know not paying his child support had a warrant uh for you know selling bullets illegally i'm just saying so you walk into a grand jury i'm just saying and you've got like a hundred different statutes you want to charge him with and in the end you only get like four okay so andy mccabe has a list as as long as a cvs receipt Okay, you know, CVS receipts are super long. Okay, Uh, every time it prints, it's like, oh, my gosh, how many CVS receipts do you need to get to the moon? They're massive. Right. So that is how long Andy McCabe's indictment recommendations are like what they're going after. These are the statutes he violated. These are the laws he violated. This is his co-conspirator list. This, this, this. It's complicated. It's not like you could do it like instantly. Okay, it's you know, it's not like, you know, you've got him there. He committed murder. We caught him with the knife in the hand. You've got to take your time because you've got 100 different statutes and different co-conspirators and timelines and whatnot. And you have to put the story together and your grand jury has to decide. All right, I'm okay with this. Uh, I'm not okay with this. This is kind of shady. You're trying to tie it into this. I'm not sure because uh, grand juries are very important. In a lot of things, they are the first uh, point of call, you know, where you sit down and they're like regular people and they're like, all right, let's listen to the story. Let's figure out what's going on. And they sit down and they're just average people and they're like, okay, the evidence, you know, you gave us was that you found this guy, you know, with a knife and the throat slash, but you didn't tell us that the throat was slashed an hour before you found this guy with the knife in his hands, which he picked up and there were knee prints. So obviously he knelt by the victim. So maybe he wasn't the perpetrator. These are the things that they analyze because then they come back with questions. You offer the evidence, they come back with questions and you need to clarify. So it's not something that we can do easily. But in the final report that we're going to be seeing at the end of this month in October, we're going to be seeing how quick things are going to be done because there are many facets of this Russia hoax, this orchestration of this fourth unelected branch, so many moving parts that it has to be put correctly. And there are a lot of things that we can't release through the OIG report because those are being used under grand jury um, trials. So you have to appreciate the fact that we're not releasing information because it could taint the jury pool. Don't forget the biggest megaphone right now is the paid propaganda machines. And we don't need them taking something and skewing it. Kind of like, oh, the president stole pancakes at a funeral. This horrible. It means that, you know, I don't know, he's a gluten thief. And then you might get someone on the jury trial that is that smart. That's like, yep, gluten thief right there. Yep. So that's not good enough for this case. This is why we keep it on the download. This is why we have so many sealed indictments because they're all part of these reports. All of these reports, they're being compiled and put together and most of them are done. I mean, we're done and we already know that from the Comey report because that was at the bottom of the, you know, at the end of the tail end of things. So what we're going to see and find out uh, uh, from the Horowitz report, 
in regards to these applications for the FISA warrant, because I keep hearing people saying FISA warrant, FISA warrant. No, it's the application for the FISA warrant. The warrant is the issued warrant, period. But the foundation to get this warrant is an application. What did you put in the application? That is what you have to look at. Like, how do you put an application together? Like, if you want to arrest some dude, you're going to have to say to the judge, all right, I need to arrest this guy because I saw him selling meth. Okay, you saw him. Where's the evidence? Do you have video? No. Were there video cameras in the area? Yes. Did they record him? No. Why don't you have that in recording if there were videos? Um, It didn't work that time. Yep. So that's not going to fly. So here is where, you, you know, dirty cops will be like, well, uh, Joe number one saw him. Joe number two thinks he saw him. And Joe number three says he's pretty sure he saw him. And this is how they push to get applications done. And, and just because you get indicted doesn't mean that you're guilty. It just means that they put a good story forward uh, to push it out. But when it comes to high profile cases like this, <laughs> you've got to get hard evidence. And you know these people in the grand jury right now taking a look at Obama, Yates, Lynch, Clapper, Brennan, McCabe, you name it, they're in it, Baker, Carlin, I can name, name, name that are all co-conspirator one, two, three, four on their own cases, having each other as co-conspirators. They're looking at this and they're like, oh my God, what did they put in this application? Like this would not fly in a regular court. Are you saying that the article that the guy that created this information put out was evidence that it's true because the guy said so? It's like me saying, yo, so I married Mickey Mouse yesterday and and then I go tell Yahoo News, I married Mickey Mouse. Here's my ring. Doesn't mean I married Mickey Mouse, but Yahoo News reports it. So then the FBI says, yo, Yahoo News said that she married Mickey Mouse. And it's like, yep, she married Mickey Mouse. That's a fact because Yahoo News reported it. And where did they get the report from? The same person who said who married Mickey Mouse. That's what I'm saying. It's circular reporting. When you see what is hidden under these warrant applications. What Sally Yates, Comey, I urge you to go back to big league politics and find my article that I published over a year ago that says, what will you find when they unredact, when they, you know, uh, the FISA applications? You will see because it tells you how many more pages they added, what they may have added, uh, you know, I'm not confirming or denying that I may have seen some of this stuff, but it will tell you what the Obama Justice Department under the direction of Barack Hussein Obama, who, by the way, suspiciously, I found some information yesterday, may actually be Somali. <gasps> what? Yeah. So he's a Somali that um, went to Kenya. It's just mind blowing. I'm still waiting to get more evidence on that. But what? And Whoopi Goldberg, Somali. What? OK, so. <laughs> that was just something I thought I should throw in. But what, what I'm trying to say is in the law, it is really hard for someone that understands a little bit about the law, not just completely, that there are so many facts, you know, that you have to look at before you can get a warrant for, for BS to search a car, let alone wiretap and monitor communications going in, out, written, and oral on people. And it's so 
tedious because you cannot violate those constitutional rights. You can't just hand out subpoenas because you feel like it. You got to have a basis. Why are you issuing that subpoena to the bank? Because I think um, they sold drugs. Okay, where's your evidence? Uh, I have three witnesses. Okay, that may cover you. But when you write a subpoena right? Or you get a warrant or you warrant yourself. You just sign it off yourself. Yep. I'm getting myself a warrant for, cause I want to investigate Joe Schmo. Cause he's, he's annoying. Give me everything you got on Joe Schmo right here, right here. You're going to be like, that can't happen guys. It does happen. My life had a colonoscopy with no victim, no crime. And you know, supposedly it's legal because it's unconstitutional just because it is, doesn't mean anything. And it's constitution day. This is where people should be up in arms. Cause if our constitution was actually upheld, these FISA warrants would have never been issued because how do you put forward to one of the most secretive, most you know, stringent courts on the planet. Let me, you know, in my state, judges can be corrupt. They get loans. They're in debt. They need things signed off. Cause I got a long list of what judges here have a total big long list. You have to think, okay, locally corruption is easily done because they all work in the same, but federally a FISA court judge, think about it. FISA court judge that, that has to ensure a hundred percent. There's no violation of the constitution takes a BS report, takes a Yahoo article that the creator of this BS report put out there as evidence that doesn't even ask, Hey, who paid for this dossier by the way? Uh, Oh, we don't know. Um, yeah, maybe Hillary, maybe Obama. I don't, uh, you know, how did that conversation happen? Didn't it happen? I'm not a judge, but that's the first thing I'd ask. Who did this dossier? Was it some independent investigative journalist? Have you checked their financials that they didn't get funded, uh, funded by opposition or some foreign nation? How did this happen? FBI. So he's not on your books, but he's reliable because he did this, right? But what about CrowdStrike? CrowdStrike doesn't even have a federal contract. Why did you take their word for it that Russians hack? Yeah, Um. so... Didn't the judge ask about this stuff? That's the problem. How is this judge still sitting on a bench? I mean, I'd keep her on the bench because once I crucify all the clowns that put it together, she's next. Okay, she's next. Collier is next. No matter what MOO, memorandum of opinion that she put out a year and a half later to cover her butt, it's not good enough. She helped orchestrate this coup. She knew what she did was murky and was wrong. She's not stupid. You don't become a FISA court judge because you're retarded. You don't become a FISA court judge because you just assume things or you have blind trust. You're a FISA court judge because you understand the Constitution, right? You're the one that takes it very seriously. Think about it. We have... We're in a time where we have the New York Times publish a story about Brett Kavanaugh right now, right? Brett Kavanaugh, where it's completely false, completely false. Uh, someone of someone of someone may have remembered that someone may have of someone done this, not the actual someone that was supposedly a victim. This is just ridiculous. Like, how do these people even come up with this stuff and make it believable? We have people... Believing this stuff. Oh, believe her. He needs to be impeached. Right. He needs to be impeached. You need to go home. 
you need to go to bed, as Terrence Williams says. You need to go to bed because this is just, this is completely wrong and off. It makes absolutely no sense how this happens. Now, there was a, um, there was a report that uh, one of the people that came forward, I'm trying to find it, said um, that they were being pressured to say that they remember things by people uh, that were working uh, with um, Christine Basley Ford. So basically, they were pressuring someone to say that they were a victim or that they witnessed some crime. Did you guys see that? So now we know that they bullied someone into lying, saying that they would do a smear campaign on them. They would air out everything if, uh, you know, they don't testify that what they're saying about Kavanaugh is true. This is horrible, you guys. This is really horrible. Like, how does this even happen? Like, how does this even happen? I don't seem to understand how in this day and age, this is happening and it's like nobody cares. Nobody cares that, uh, you know, people are being bullied to lie in a court of law. People are bullied to frame people. And, you know, I, I can't fathom in 2019 that this is happening. Today's Constitution Day, guys. And, you know, I feel like our Constitution has never been under attack more than any other time in history, personally. I have Breaking never. news tonight, Oops. new clues on a big... Uh, I have never. So I just wanted to um, play this clip that was playing on itself so you can hear what how MSNBC talked about this email with McCabe and the grand jury, just so that you can see how sneaky the left is story that's all about whether the Trump administration is trying to indict James Comey's former top deputy at the FBI, the man who ran the Russia probe and took over for Comey. And here's what's new. We hit on this story earlier this week. The news now all basically comes down to questions about whether a grand jury rejected an effort by the Trump administration to indict this person. If that happened, and I'm going to explain all of this, but if that happened, that would be a huge and rare thing. And here's the context. This is all about Andy McCabe. He was, of course, as I mentioned, Comey's deputy. His legal team has now gone public, which itself is a big deal, in a letter daring A.G. Bill Barr and his DOJ to basically confirm or deny what just happened. Did this grand jury, which we do know was impaneled, ultimately decide not to indict him if they were requested to by the Trump administration. The DOJ had already reportedly authorized prosecutors to try to get the grand jury to indict McCabe. This is all about an apparent technicality regarding statements he made to other DOJ officials as they probed his contacts with the press. Now, Trump himself has been a huge McCabe critic and basically called for this indictment. I'm going to read to you a little bit from this important new letter because you have the McCabe folks saying, look, we heard rumors from reporters this morning that the grand jury considering charges against McCabe declined to vote an indictment. And then they say something that we are not confirming tonight, but this is what they say, quote, it's clear no indictment has been returned. And it doesn't mean that an indictment wasn't returned because we don't know what happens inside grand juries. They're secret. It doesn't mean one would never be returned. What it does mean and why this is so politically fraught is that McCabe's lawyers are taking the extraordinary, extraordinary step of going public. They want the DOJ to explain what they're up to, quote. We strongly urge you to request the grand jury to submit a report to the court. We believe it serves the interest of transparency 
And they say, look, there's no reason not to do so. Oh, my gosh. Did you hear that? Wait, it gets better. Now, anything could happen. There could be a sealed indictment. There could be a later indictment. But the reporting has actually been going the other way. The Washington Post's new article basically saying the grand jury investigating McCabe was recalled this week. They'd been gone for months and they were released yesterday and tonight. And it is the end of the work week as of 626 p.m. on the East Coast. Well, there's no public indictment. That's for sure. Hey, I'm Ari Melber from. Ha. Huh. So they are they're like they were dismissed, but then they were recalled to do this. Right. This is important. Because what have we said about the OIG report? It needs to be complete because they might have said, all right, listen, we get, uh, you know, um, accusation this, but we can't return an indictment on this count. Okay. Because there's multiple counts at grand juries. I can tell you for a fact, myself being called to be um, a witness at a grand jury on an ongoing case, not for me, but for, uh, you know, people that are in trouble. Okay, <laughs> which was fun. Uh, they don't tell you much when you come forward to testify, but they want you to clarify things because there's like a list of accusations. And then what they do is they're referring, they ask the witness or the people that provided the evidence of such an accusation to confirm how this was done. Okay, so there may have been and there I'm, I'm uh, not may there there possibly are strong possibility, super strong, like strong, like very like it's fall that strong um, uh, indictments that they want to return, but it's insufficient. See, the government is saying, but this is already um, being investigated by the OIG and this could have been done earlier this year, maybe late 2018, where they were discussing this and the grand jury said, well, until we have it and we can see it and we see the report, we can't return an indictment on that. So it stays hung. So out of, say, 20 of them, they might have dismissed four and said, not enough evidence and you can't provide us any further. And then those other 15 or 16, they could say, all right, since these are pending the OIG's report, let's get the OIG report and then we'll discuss. And this is why I said it was very important that we got that section on Comey released because it tells us that the OIG report is complete. And right now what we're waiting on is these indictments that Durham has put in. This is why we are recalling witnesses. This is why we are recalling, you know, these grand juries to come back into session and say, all right, the here's the completed report. Take a look. This is the part that we were talking about. This is what the OIG found. They're like, all right, I like that. And, you know, just because the OIG put out his report and said, oh, I don't recommend or doesn't even say recommend or not. He did this doesn't mean that there isn't an indictment that's been returned on count this and that and that. It just means it hasn't happened yet, because if you go forward with 20 indict 20 counts, you want to finish all 20. You don't just get him on one. Right. It's one case. Russia hoax. When we come back, we'll discuss more deep state, more a little bit of this Kavanaugh and cover the New Mexico rally and the Easter eggs our president gave us. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop.
Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam sounds great right even better your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease if you're a u.s citizen between 50 and 80 you can get life insurance guaranteed It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, and this is the last half hour and in the uh, of the show. And in the last half hour, we talked about McCabe and his sneaky little tactic and what they're trying to do and how people are trying to convince us that he wasn't indicted for all these things he did. But we tend to forget that the OIG can't actually put out indictments. He hasn't completed his report. It is now complete and un- and unredacting many portions of it or putting forward information in the public either is not something feasible because we have so many sealed indictments ongoing across the nation. And this doesn't just involve federal employees of the FBI and CIA, but state officials. We're talking governors. We're talking senators. We're talking congressperson we're talking attorney generals across the nation all under sealed indictments and none of them are ever going to find out because just like msnbc said well you know we don't really know if there is a grand jury if there isn't if they return an indictment if they don't because you just don't know unless there is an indictment so this is where everyone is waiting for proof i can tell you that when you go and you testify to evidence that you've, you know, presented, like, for example, if ever, you know, for example, just saying Project Veritas was called, they'd be called under seal, not being able to discuss anything. And they'll say, well, you got this evidence. How did you get it? We got it like this, like this, like this, like this. It was this person, this person, this person. And they'll ask you very specific questions because to return an indictment, the grand jury takes that seriously. And if there is no 
100% unequivocal proof they should not be returning an indictment. And in something so polarized, you can't just indict a ham sandwich like Mueller did, you know, where he indicted, you know, fictional Russian people that hacked the server from Russia, even though we know it was a USB drive and we know it was American citizens and, and, and. See, that was all fake because he presented CrowdStrike's reports and CrowdStrike doesn't have a federal government agreement, but it's not like anybody in the grand jury would ask that question because they're not federal prosecutors, nor do they work for the FBI, nor are they anyone, you know, with a legal background. I'm pretty sure they picked up the most, you know, pedestrian people to, to, to have the more honest response, right? So moving along, let's just talk a little bit about Kavanaugh. I want to play this clip because remember the squad, okay, is one of the biggest proponents to annihilate our constitution beyond belief. They are trying every which way. They're the ones talking about impeachment when impeachment grounds aren't there. They're the ones pushing to change the articles of impeachment. So that way it can work, you know, change the rules. So it's like your way. It's like saying, you know, you change the monopoly rules. So you're losing and you're not getting any houses. So you're like, oh, you know, but if I go one round without any houses, if I can't purchase any properties under one round uh, from now on, I get a property every time I roll just to make up for that time. And it's like, but that's not the way the rules go. Yeah, but we're just making these new rules now because it suits us. So here is something about Kavanaugh that the squad member will be introducing impeachment resolutions. And you know they're doing that on purpose because they're trying to pressure us to release information that we have. No, we're going to do it in our time. And it's going to be done in 2020. And that way you can't save your party. Your party is unsavable. Left out key facts about Kavanaugh's alleged victim, but both the paper's admitted failure and the backlash have not stopped Democrats from demanding he be ousted. Here is a lot of how it's breaking down on both sides. The left tries to threaten, bully, intimidate Americans into submission. They're calling for his resignation. They're calling for his impeachment. And the woman involved said she didn't know anything. It appears as though Brett Kavanaugh lied under oath, which is a crime. Uh, I think that he has disqualified himself for service on the Supreme Court. This is not just a left-wing obsession with one man. It's part of a deliberate effort to attack judicial independence. We have to recognize that the process by which he was confirmed has created a crisis of confidence Hmm. in that court. And, you know, and, and, and so, yes, I've called for impeachment. Gref Jenkins live in Washington with more on this. Gref. Hey, Sandra, the calls for Justice Kavanaugh's impeachment isn't just dividing Democrats and Republicans, as we saw there. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler, a Democrat, made it clear to those calling for Kavanaugh's ouster that he is not going there. Frankly, we are concentrating our resources on determining whether to impeach the president. Personally, I think the president ought to be impeached. But Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey... 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I just, Nadler, oh my gosh. It felt like his belt was a little bit tight because he couldn't speak that well. That's how high his pants are. Graham agrees on Kavanaugh, tweeting, if Nadler isn't willing to go there, no one should go there. But someone is. Massachusetts Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, a member of the so-called squad that has challenged House leadership before, is introducing this resolution today to open an impeachment inquiry, saying in a statement, quote, sexual predators do not deserve a seat on the nation's highest court. And Brett Kavanaugh confirmation process set a dangerous precedent. We must demand justice for survivors and hold Kavanaugh accountable for his actions. But a rapist like Bill Clinton deserves to be in the White House. According to the measure, a committee would be authorized to take affidavits and subpoena potential witnesses. Unclear how that would proceed. And Presley is not a member of the Judiciary Committee. Now, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy had this to say earlier. It's an imaginary impeachment. Nobody in America wants this. There are no facts for it. And here's Nadler, who campaigned to become chairman on the whole basis that he'd be best for impeachment the day after the election. Well, what Chairman Nadler is doing today, officially opening the first impeachment inquiry of the president, holding hearings in the House Judiciary Committee and to, quote, presidential obstruction of justice and abuse of power. <laughs> I'd like to see how that goes. Uh, let's take a listen to what Gowdy had to say about Kavanaugh. And now a Fox News contributor. Uh, great to see you this evening, Trey. Um, what's your reaction to the fact that six 2020 Democrat presidential contenders instantly, when this story came out, kind of scrambled to get in front of each other to say that now he must be impeached? Yeah, one of whom's a former law professor, one of whom's a former prosecutor. They all want to be the leader of the free world. But, Martha, impeachment is tantamount to the death penalty. And that's not hyperbolic. It is the political death penalty. So these six are willing to give the death penalty in a case where the putative victim doesn't even recall the incident. The putative eyewitness is a Democrat lawyer who's never been examined or cross-examined and if he is a D.C. lawyer, why didn't he bring it up when Brett Kavanaugh was up for the D.C. Court of Appeals? That's a really important court. So why should the people that appear before him be victimized by him on the D.C. Court of Appeals? He didn't say a word. Why not bring it up then? So those facts, no victim, an eyewitness, no one has corroborated, no one's examined or cross-examined and failed to bring it up when he had an opportunity in the past, six Democrats are willing to give the death penalty for that. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think about the responsibility that the New York Times had in this story, which, as I said, sent six of these candidates, you know, in, into this impeachment uh, sort of, you know, fury. You have Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Beto O'Rourke, Cory Booker, Julian Castro, all announcing on Sunday that he must be impeached. And all the clowns decided that they're going to remove this judge because believe her. I think about the New York Times headline, which sort of sent them in this direction, which really should have said that this person had come forward and claims that this happens. But the woman that he's speaking about doesn't recall the incident. To me, I mean, that, that, that's a fair headline and a fair characterization of what happened. Um, others on the Hill are you know, speaking out about this. This is Mitch McConnell, Trey, speaking today. I'd like to get your reaction to, to what he says here. It's part of a deliberate effort to attack judicial independence. Just a few weeks ago, some Senate Democrats nakedly threatened the Supreme Court justices in writing. Our colleagues sent the court an outlandish brief, gravely intoning that 
the Supreme Court is not well. Here was the punchline. Either issue rulings we like or we'll pack the court. He's arguing that this is part of the bigger picture, Trey. Yeah, well, Mitch is right and Lindsay's right, too. The end justifies the means. They really think that we're going to have back alley abortions if certain people are put on the Supreme Court, that your civil rights will be violated, that your kids won't be able to go to school. They, they sell that. Um, and, and there's no accountability. I was on your show last week, Martha. I said Andy McCabe is presumed innocent. That wasn't popular. It's just accurate. How many Democrats Absolutely. have said that about Brett Kavanaugh? How many of them have said, you know what? Let's examine and cross-examine this putative eyewitness. Let's ask him why you didn't bring it up when Brett was up for the D.C. Court of Appeals. They want to impeach him. They want to give the death penalty. I'd rather say you're presumed innocent. Let's be fair to people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like the same sentiment that caused Leland Kaiser's friends to try to push her to say something that she believed was not true um, is the same kind of sentiment that leads to rallying around a story like this and pushing it out there um, because you think it's going to get the impact that you want it to have, which is not what reporting is all about. Yeah, reporting is not all about. It's not all about blackmailing people and saying, well, we're going to, you know, shame you if you don't jump. What? Are you that person's friend? How dare you? We're going to show you what we think because you need to think like us. Don't you dare say something that you're not supposed to say. You're supposed to say what we tell you to say. Now, here is where we're going to hear our president tell us what's really going on on various fronts. Let's go with the wall. We will campaign for every vote and we will win the great state. Oh, yeah, this is the campaign. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to play this again. Of New Mexico in 2020. And by the way, you have thousands and thousands of people outside who can't get in. So we love you. We love you. We appreciate it. We will campaign. So I don't think he needs to campaign that hard. Let's just be honest. He's just going to walk in because all of the losers that are running, though no one's really paying attention to Yang because I'm going to tell you he's going to be the last one standing. He was the only one that didn't jump on the Kavanaugh train. He's the only one that doesn't talk crazy. Well, wait, let me stop there. He does talk crazy, but it's not crazy, crazy talk. He talks about things that he can't get done now that can get done in the future. Okay, let's be straight because I don't want to slam him down uh, when, a, you know, it shouldn't be an issue. But I can tell you his strong ties with China may backfire in the future. And left-wing Democrats want to confiscate your guns and eliminate your God-given right to self-defense. You know that. As your president, I will never allow them to take away your liberty, your dignity, your social security. And I will never, ever allow them to take away your sacred right to keep and bear arms. So for all of you that are confused, oh my gosh, he's flaking. He's going to say, let's take this, let's take that. He's not. He doesn't say anything. The media is telling you he's saying that. But 
speaking of right to bear arms in Georgia, there was a an attempted robbery yesterday where three masked teenagers walked up to a house to, you know, rob these people in on their property. And so these people are just hanging out on their property and these teenagers come and one of the teenagers brandished a handgun and shot at one of the victims, right? Uh, of the victims, meaning potential to be robbed. <laughs> Lo and behold, they had the right to bear arms and they had guns, took them all out. And first of all, trespass. Second, came to rob. Third, threatened them with death. If they didn't have guns, they all would have been dead and robbed. But now the left is like, oh my gosh, that was really harsh. These were just 16, 17 year old teenagers trying to rob a place. Uh, yeah. Keyword. Attempting to rob a place and they threatened them with a gun. So they pointed out in the article, oh, by the way, you know, the people that were at the house that were going to be robbed and were shot at weren't really injured. It's just the other teenagers. One teenager was pronounced dead at the house, the other two at the hospital. Listen, man, you come to my house to rob me and cause me harm, you're getting shot. This is the way you defend yourself especially if you show a gun like i won't shoot you i won't i'll grab my gun i'll go hide i'll call 911 but if you come at my door where i'm hiding with my children or myself or if you shoot my dogs because they're going to tear you apart when you walk in you've got another thing coming that i'm going to sit there with my hands tied behind my back that is why we have the right to bear arms it's got to be responsible gun use. I, I remember when um, my husband and I went to uh, get bullets for the handguns that we have at the house. You know, the the guy at the store was like, yeah, these are hollow point. They'll just destroy someone and kill them instantly. And, you know, my husband was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, they're the best ones. They'll just stop a robber. I was like, well, kill them. You don't want to kill someone that's just coming to steal your TV. You want to immobilize them. That's the whole point. You have it. Obviously, you will shoot to kill if you're being attacked. Right. But the whole point is to immobilize not to annihilate i mean a lot of people will beg to differ on that but i'm really strong on that why why have a hollow point I, i i'm not for that i don't do that I don't do that. And I've taught my kids that too. You don't want to have, I know that you were probably scared or whatever, but it's better just shoot for the legs and run, you know, and then they can't move. That's basically the best self-defense is to immobilize when you're defending yourself, not to take another one's life. Even in war, none of us go shoot to kill in the head, right? Uh, You know, we don't. Let's be honest. We're taught that way, but we don't because we're human beings and we don't want to take the life of another. That's the way it is. You immobilize. You immobilize the enemy. Shoot their arm, their hand, their feet. Don't let them move. Don't take the life because that life is going to be on your hands and you're going to have that on your conscience. For me, even if, if I'm being shot at, I still, as me, okay, I'm speaking for myself, find it very difficult to be able to take someone's life. I mean, I think twice when I take the life away of the elder bugs that I'd once swarmed and look like a dirty spot of dirt on on the outside of the house, I, I felt bad. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm killing bugs. Imagine when it, when it comes down to it, and I've been in that situation before where it comes down to it, it's you or the other person, you know, it's on your conscience, I, I guess, you know, and how do you measure that, right? For responsible gun ownership, I don't know. Um, for the guys that were, uh, you know, attempting to rob at gunpoint, these people at this house, you know, who knows, maybe they shot to kill because they were under threat and they're okay with that. For me, I wouldn't be, I mean, I've even my kids who are responsible gun trained children are taught always shoot for the legs, go for immobilization, not for death, because that will 
be in your heart forever, even though if it's justified by the law, is it justified by your conscience? That's what we have to think about. Um, so uh, again, red flag laws, total, total conversation starters. Now, here's the next thing our president says. Take a listen. You know, the other side, I don't think they're big believers and not big believers in religion that I condemn. You listen to some They're trying. They're trying to put out little statements. They're not working too well. He's right. They don't believe in anything. They believe that God is, you know, a, a fictional thing and that there is no higher power, that they are the higher power. And of course they are. Of course they think that because they think that hairspray and the fact that we stopped using CFCs were why the ozone layer healed itself. It had nothing to do the fact that it was deteriorating in the 70s and 80s into the early 90s because of volcanoes, which is the natural cause and the most rapid way to deplete the ozone layer. It was our hairspray. I mean, they have some grandiose idea of human beings. I'm just saying. We believe that children should be taught to love our country, honor our history, and always respect our great American flag. And we will always live by the words of our national motto, nobody will ever take it down. Nobody will ever take it down. We will never allow them to take it down. In God we trust. In honesty, guys, we need God more than anything right now because we have this woke nation coming up telling us how we're more important, how we're causing harm to, to the climate, how we're doing all these things when it's all BS, all of it. We have to have faith that God is watching out for us. But here is what the most important part of this speech had to say. Take a listen. So you have the Democrats, you have the media, their partners. Then you have the deep state. We're getting rid of a lot of them. I'll tell you, we're finding them left and right. Boom. You take a look at what? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You take a look at what we're doing with all of the things i'm not going to get into detail but you know what i'm talking about clean the swamp that's the ultimate cleaning of the swamp and then i hate to say this but we have some republicans they're not good you call them a rhino they're rhinos the rhinos are worse and some of them are worse than the Obama people, right? They're yep. You listening to this, John Hoven? They're worse than the Obama people. They're worse than the Clinton people. Romney. But there aren't too many of them left. They're pretty much on respirators. They're gasping. They're gasping for air. But we do have some bad people that uh, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Romney, Graham. I didn't hear you. What did you say? What? I didn't hear that. That was awesome, right? So the thing is, everyone said Romney, and we all know Romney, Graham. Graham, he has his moments, right? Because that's how he keeps his base. He's asking you to support him. This is where you say, uh, I'll pass. 
They are worse than the Obama people because these are Obama people that played the other field. They are infiltrators. They are all over the nation, not just in the House and in the Senate, but in your state, your mayors, your governors, your attorney generals, your secretary of state. They all comply. These are the people that are on the final fronts at the border. These are the people that are the final fronts on justice, on lawsuits, on oil and energy production. These are the people that are the most disgusting part of the deep state. See, the Democrats, they don't even try to hide it anymore. They're just like way open. Vote for us because we hate Trump. Have you guys seen the polls that the Democrats are sending out? I mean, I don't know what possessed Twitter to think that I want to answer their polls, but I got in there right away. Who are you going to vote for? And I picked Yang, obviously, just to get to the next question because I didn't have a choice to say other. And then they said, what's most important to impeach Trump, to beat Trump? Listen to the answers to stop the wall, to give every person on the planet like citizenship or other and other was like uh, to put America first. And then the next question that I got on that was uh, what is most important to you? Um, Making illegal immigrants legal, um, breaking down the wall, impeaching Trump, beating Trump again with this Trump hate. Like they are so obsessed, obsessed. Here's another little portion I want you guys to hear from President Trump. Our ambitious campaign to reduce the price of prescription drugs has produced the largest decline in drug prices in more than 50 years. You don't hear this because the fake news doesn't want to write about it. You know, sometimes I'll have a news conference about something that's so good. And I'll say, you know, I call my wife, First Lady, First Lady. People love our First Lady. I'll say, when you see television tonight, we did something that was so great, whatever it may be. We did a lot of things. We did something so great, and it won't be on. But if there's something that's just slightly negative, or even if it's good that they can turn negative, that's what they like best. Take something good and turn it negative. It's breaking. We have breaking news. We have breaking news. Trump stole pancakes. You know, that is the fact that he can do so much and none of it will be heard. The right to try was one of the most incredible acts to pass. To allow people that never had the opportunity to join in on these exclusive drug trials or immunotherapies at uh, Boston Medical because, 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 because they can't. Now they're getting the ability to uh, do so and actually have access to therapies that may not have been expedited through FDA because people didn't sell their patents or maybe weren't funded by Soros. But I wanted to close this hour with something to think about. You know, when he spoke about Melania Trump, he's like, oh, I call my wife, you know, I call Melania the first lady. Everybody loves her. Yeah, we do love her. I could just imagine that conversation. Hey, Melania, we finally got this done. I'm so excited. This is working. I'm finally getting people that want to fix America just like I've planned. And I can just imagine the conversations they have such full of joy and hope that the media just loves to crush. I, you know, in honesty, I, um, I admire him for the strength he has under so much fire. And we all have to think about that. It's the people that do the most good that are most attacked by those vicious and evil people. Uh, and, and, and we always have to remember that when you see a hundred people hating one person, you have to think, 
what good things is that one person doing? And what are those 100 people so scared of? Because even murderers have fans or people that excuse them. That is what you have to think of going into these 2020 elections, which will be able to win hands down. It's going to be a cakewalk. On that note, I want to wish all of you a great evening. God bless. See you tomorrow. A long way from the suits in D.C. But close enough now to see this mess Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there